the Hilliard Studio Podcast, your resource for everything happening in the Hilliard Studio Method world. Welcome back to the Hilliard Studio Podcast. I am Andy Go. I am the producer of Hilliard Studio Podcast, along with my executive co-producers, Liz Hilliard and Lee Canelli. And this is part two of a three-part series that we're doing on Liz and Lee and their relationship. So uh, my guest today, Lee Canelli, thanks so much for hanging out on your own podcast. Ah, thank you, Andy. I'm so glad to be here. And thanks for doing this. Yeah, definitely. Um, and again, I thought it was important to let your listeners know more about who you are as a person, um, the background, the life experience that you've had to make you who you are. You know, whether your uh, listeners or clients have been with Hilliard Studio Method for you know, years and years, or they just found you last week. I think yeah. this is a great, important story that that everybody should hear. Well, we'll see. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad to do this. Yeah. Thank you. For sure. So uh, in the first episode that uh, of this series, we talked to uh, Liz Hilliard, of course, the owner and, uh, you know, founder of Hilliard Studio Method. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, and and we talked about her background. But today we're going to focus on you. And the place that I'd like to start for our listeners is is really kind of the contrast between <laughs> how you grew up and, and your upbringing versus Liz. Right. <laughs> so Liz, as we found out, was, you know, a, a little bit of a pepper box. Right. She <laughs> she I, I feel like that's a word she would use, too. That's so true. Uh, but she was a little bit more of a rebel to use a word that she she used in the first episode. She was uh, a little bit more likely to make up the path as as she saw fit mm-hmm. um, and she wasn't, you know, afraid to take the, those chances. Um, now, your background is is really quite different from what it seems like. You actually right. grew up in a in a pretty stable household and uh, most of, of your early life was, you know, really laid out for you on a path uh, that that, again, is a very traditional path that a lot of people uh, go through. Uh, you know, having a good education, getting married uh, mm-hmm. to, to the love of your life and then having kids and, and raising them in the, the house with the white picket fence and all that. Um, that was that was a little bit more true to you uh, for that period of your life than it was for Liz. So let's start there. Let's talk okay. about uh, let's start talking about how uh, growing up for you was you grew up as the oldest sibling of two in a family in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, just up the street here from uh, Charlotte. Talk about that. Okay, that's exactly right. I am from Winston-Salem. My parents actually still live in the same house, so um, they haven't gone far. I have a younger sister, Catherine. She's five years younger, and she and her husband and children they live in Charlotte now. So that's really fun that, that we are close by, but yeah, we were five years apart. So I was a little bit of an only child for a while. And then Catherine came along and in my, I guess, maternal instincts or my, um, first child controlling instincts, who knows, I'm a Taurus, maybe that has to do with it. But, um, I thought pretty much that I was her mother. Um, so we had a good relationship, but very separate, you know, we didn't kind of cross paths or friends or boys or things. So we never fought or fussed and had a really great stable relationship. And we always have, um, 
So that kind of sets the stage there. Liz Wright is the baby of her family and I'm <laughs> a first child. And as I said, kind of people, people pleasing first child tendencies to describe myself. Um, mom and dad, they've been married. Oh gosh, I don't know how long now, but been married for a long time and had a great relationship. My mom is very artistic and creative and a teacher. So growing up, she was in the home. She did a lot of things on the side, literal, you know, art and painting, very talented. And today she's a bridge teacher. So we laugh. <laughs> My sister and I don't even know how to play. I love cards, but I can't play bridge. <laughs> but I do think I got that teaching from her. And That's crazy. I didn't yeah. know that there was such a thing I'm as saying, like a, a teaching profession for bridge. Oh yeah. I mean like she's literally a master. So very talented there. Maybe one day I'll, I'll add that to the repertoire, but that is my mom. And my dad has been in insurance sales all his life. He is just a happy go lucky, wonderful man. I think I'm a lot um, like him. I think we look alike too, but <laughs> he inspired, I think, my love of movement and rhythm and dance. So kind of two pieces of the puzzle there that, that make me who I am. I think, you know, you look at what I'm doing now, teaching and exercise, and I've always loved those two things. Wow. Yeah. It seems like the, that what you do today uh, at Hilliard Studio Method really was influenced <laughs> by by this uh, growing up uh, period with your not only your mom and your dad but your sister as well. Right. Uh, you you like to lead. You like to <laughs> see see order in things and and help people find that order too. You know that pretty much started to define my personality and who I am, who I was a real people pleasing first child do gooder. I mean, ugh. Gosh, sounds so, you know, basic. And I, I think I was, I was a pretty serious child. Unlike Liz, I mean, I loved school. I loved school. I think I really was driven by other people's approval. I mean, I really wanted my parents to know and think that I was doing the right things and being good. And I wanted my teachers to to approve of me and, and everything I was doing. And, and so I was pretty successful in that, which felt great. I mean, no one was giving me these unrealistic expectations that I probably put on myself, but I was, you know, that was an internal drive for me to do good and be good and, and to achieve. Well, let me first of all say that as somebody who came from a background that was much less structured in terms of <laughs> like my future career and what I was going to be and all that, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm envious of people like yourself who knew from day one kind of what they wanted to be and, and yeah. where they wanted to go. That That's something that I always wish I had. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think I, I knew what I wanted to do. I was enjoying what I was doing. Um, but I do think there is a large part of me that always was just following the path. So kind of on the flip side of what you're saying, I took the straight path all the way through. I was always trying to do good and be good and, and do that. I, you know, I think for myself, no one set unrealistic expectations for me. I mean, there was one day I came home with a B or a horrible grade in math and I was just devastated. A B is a horrible grade. Yeah, right? I don't know. Maybe it was worse, but I was very upset. And my dad just laughed. I mean, when I turned around, he just laughed to my mom, like, where did she come from? Who is, 
who is this child? So I think that was always just in me. I put a lot of pressure on myself, kind of an internal, I don't want to disappoint myself or anybody else. And so while that is really helpful and helps me be competitive and achieve what I like, it also, you know, can put a lot of pressure on you that, that maybe isn't always good. You know, I think I've experienced that in body image. I think I've experienced in the path that I've since taken, you know, if we, we say I've taken this really straight, narrow path to be where I am today, really went outside of the path. You, after Chapel Hill went and became a teacher, you moved down here to Charlotte after that and was was teaching at Charlotte country day, correct? Right. So Cotswold elementary, um, Charlotte country day school. Okay. Yep. Both still here and, and doing well. What about education Mm. do you, really find most gratifying. I mean, we talked earlier about how, you know, just in a sense, like it's, it's comforting to find order and be able to give order, uh, to other people. But for, but if you could articulate that a little bit more deeply, what, what do you enjoy about education, particularly at that age level, second through fifth grade or so? Yeah. I mean, I just think that's a beautiful age period. It was one of my favorite ages of my own children. I think that's just a magic sweet spot where you are still in control of your children and they're kind of happily allowing that too. all this, you know, learning about life and, you know, light bulbs clicking as they grow every year to learn how to read, to learn math, but also to have a bigger understanding of the world for other people. So it's that watching somebody learn and grow and helping them get there. Everybody is a really different learner. And I like that. But to be honest, when I first started teaching, it was a real challenge. I mean, I was fresh out of college, hopped into school teaching and just wanted everybody to sit at their desk and be a perfect little student like I was. And that's not the case. So, you know, there we undervalue our teachers. I mean, especially this year with virtual learning going on around the world, it is a thankless job. And I know people say thanks, but it is, it is really tough. And I'm glad I had that experience, but I'm glad I've kind of shifted away from that in a different way now. (laughs) You are young. You just moved to Charlotte. You uh, are just starting your career. Um, talk about how your relationship with your husband begins to form around this time. Sure. Yeah. So I met Kevin probably a year after I'd been here. He had just graduated from Virginia, smarty pants, and is from Charlotte, moved back. So a friend, a mutual friend introduced us one night at Providence Road Sundries. Okay. And that's (laughs) unlike Liz, that bar is still, uh, still in existence. That's exactly right. Still, still show up at Sundries every now and again. Um, but we met then and he was in banking and I was school teacher and, you know, we had a great time. We were young and, and that was kind of it. We were, um, dated about a year before we got engaged and married the following year. So pretty, pretty quickly, I would say not as quick as Liz and Aubrey though. However, (laughs) but it seems like a good, mutually respectful, loving relationship. You know, that was a really wonderful time, also a a hard time. You know, there's nothing like having babies and losing sleep and trying to figure out real world life decisions and life problems with somebody who you don't really 
can't really communicate that well. You know, when problems start to arise or discussions start to happen that are very serious, I kind of let my real feelings take a back seat because I was just trying to please my husband at the time, you know, to be in a very good, stable, traditional relationship and not rock the boat. I didn't know how to rock the boat productively. And so when you're dealing with things like religion, education, they always say, you know, those are the big deal breakers and you have a conversation and maybe feel like you are not heard that can really build resentment when I'm not strong enough to voice my opinion, then I would kind of wave a white flag and just kind of take a back seat. And so I I did that to myself, really build up a lot of tension because I wasn't able to communicate well with somebody that you're trying to, to build a life with. You mentioned your children. You have a son named Kevin and a uh-huh. daughter named Anna. Talk That's about them. That's right. Oh, I love them so much. They are right now 14 and 12 years old. So we have two middle schoolers, which is very fun. And they're, I mean, I just, I literally, I know most parents say this couldn't be more proud of them. We love them to the ends of the earth. Um, they have a great relationship, brother and sister, about two years apart. It's funny. We didn't find out what we were having with either of them. So like I said, I have just one oh, sister. So you waited until. Yeah, it was oh, a okay. surprise and I highly recommend it. I think it's just great. Th- if you can. That's the, that's the original <laughs> gender reveal party is when you're actually that's in right. the delivery room. <laughs> yes. Not so much fuss. It's, it's a great surprise. You know, you it's just not even go. as much mess. It's not even <laughs> exactly. as much mess. Apparently. That's right. I know we're not starting <laughs> forest fires, but that's another story. Um, yeah. So when we had Kevin, I just went, Oh, a boy, what in the world? What do I do with a boy? And they're just so active and busy. And then we didn't find out with Anna either. And I thought, Oh yeah, we're going to have two boys. Here we go. And out she came. And so it was just the best surprise ever. And they're both very different. So what I do love is that you know, you kind of have to flip 180 in your parenting styles. I mean, a very active boy and then a more calm girl. And I think that's just kind of basic as their toddlers, that thought, but they still just have very different personalities. And I like the challenge, I guess, of just figuring out how I'm going to approach life with each of them. Hmm. That's wonderful. So everything that you've told me up and you know, up until this point in the conversation <laughs> just seems like so idyllic. And I say that without any irony or any, right. anything at all. Like, yeah. um, that is the life that so many people <laughs> want to be able to live. Um, a lot of the times that's the life that society says that we should want to live, but, but truly a lot of people find comfort and, and enjoyment in, in exactly what you've been talking about, um, mm-hmm. growing up in a good family getting an education, um, you know, doing a career that you love, uh, marrying a person that you love young and then getting the house and kids like that seems pretty wonderful. (laughs) I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Right. No, you're exactly right. I mean, you're exactly right. And, And it was and I enjoyed, you know, almost every minute of those early days. But they're just, you know, I would say probably when the children were starting to go more into elementary school and I was starting to work more, things started to be more challenging for Kevin and for me. And we didn't have the skills set to really deal with the challenges. I would say that 
it was hard for me to, I don't really, I don't like confrontation. And so when we had to deal with big things, I didn't deal with it very well. He didn't either. But how you react and how you move forward really is going to take you down either positive or negative path and kind of create a scaffolding for what kind of relationship you have. And we didn't create a good scaffolding a relationship when it came to really important things, you know, religion, education, finances, where we live, etc. You know, and he, I won't speak for him and we'll kind of leave it at that. I mean, what happens in everybody's marriage is, is their own and it's our own. And we, you know, fought hard to stay together because when you have two children, that's what we wanted to do. Um, but there just came a point where, you know, you're now going on two really separate paths and you have to make decisions about how to handle that. During this time in your life, again, where it seems like you're, you're, you're living out the life that you wanted to live and, you know, everything's kind of going according to plan and everything else. Did you ever get a feeling that, you were truly living the life that you wanted to and you were feeling fulfilled in that? Or, or or was there something that was kind of eating at you that kept saying that this is great, but this is not me. This is not Lee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. I mean, it's almost sounds hard, horrible to say, you know, you, you're healthy, you have a family, you have a home, you know, you have all these things besides, you know, health and togetherness, those things don't really matter, right? So those external things are not the things that should ultimately bring you joy. And so I did start to have this feeling of like, yes, daily life is good. I love my job. The kids are great. This is great. But an, a deep internal like struggle and discomfort about our relationship. What do you think was the first moment that that internal struggle really started to manifest itself for you? Yeah, I think it just goes back to, you know, working as a team when we had to start to make bigger decisions than where do you want to go to dinner? And it's the weekend, where do you want to go out? And we're raising this family and how do we want to do it? And Um, it was really hard to do together and just over time, no particular incident didn't ever really feel good when we had to make decisions. It didn't feel like we were working well together as a team. Up until this point in your life too, you'd been told that this yeah. this path that you were on is the one that you, you know, needed to stay on. And unless you had a good reason that there was no reason for you to jump off the path yeah. and a good reason didn't qualify at, uh, you know, uh, a good reason wasn't, Hey, I just don't feel right. I don't just yeah. don't feel good. You know, I mean, exactly. you know, it's, it was, it, there had to be some sort of, uh, flashpoint, uh, for that to happen. So how are you dealing with mm. that contradiction in, in your internally, right? Yeah. This, this, this messaging that you had to stay in this relationship unless X, Y, Z happened versus your own desire to fulfill your mm-hmm. natural needs. So, you know, the absolute hardest part probably of realizing you're in 
having some marriage trouble for me, it wasn't just that sad for the two of us and for our children. I have felt a lot of pressure and that I was being a disappointment to my family, you know, a family where no one has been divorced ever. And to feel that pressure really was one of the hardest parts that I wasn't really disappointing myself and making the decision for our family to go in two separate ways. I was holding on to that because I didn't want to disappoint our parents. I'd continued to take the steps forward because I knew it was what we needed to do. And so I was really stuck for a while, just in the repetitive negative talk to myself about it. And it made it challenging. I mean, we struggled for a, a while and I think, you know, some people who've experienced this can understand how difficult making that decision is not only for yourself and your partner, but for your kids when they're involved, it's really challenging. And then when you add another layer of people in your life that, you know, have expectations of you and you don't fulfill those, it's really sad, sad and lonely, sad and lonely. But, you know, that was the, what needed to happen. And, and now we are where we are and everybody's much better because of it. When you were struggling with this internally, I'm sure you didn't come to the decision to leave your marriage, you know, within a couple of minutes or days or even weeks or months or possibly years. years. What was a moment or the moment that you finally decided to prioritize yourself. And that, you know, aspect of the kids, a lot of people choose not to separate or get divorced because of children. And I understand that because, you know, you don't want to rock your, your children's world. But for me, I was going to rock their world if we didn't separate or divorce. I wasn't going to teach my children, you know, a productive example of a marriage by staying in one that wasn't. I wasn't going to teach my son and daughter, you know, to just follow what you think other people think you should do. I want them to be fulfilled and happy and whoever they choose or not choose to be with that they can always be themselves. That it's not always easy to be in a relationship and there should be serious things that you have to deal with, but how to deal with it with love and respect. And, you know, it, it takes a lot of work and Every relationship deserves work, but it deserves a whole lot of unconditional love and support. Lee, we've been talking about kind of the heavier part of your journey here, but let's talk about something a little bit more light and fun. When did Hilliard Studio Method come into the picture for you? You were still teaching. You were still living your life. You know, let's back back up a little bit and, and let's go back to when 
you first started um, going to classes at Hilliard Studio Method way before you're uh, part of the part of the yeah. team. You went to a class on a friend's recommendation that you didn't even want to go. <laughs> Tell <laughs> me about exactly that. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So to frame it up a little. I was, yes, a school teacher, but then after I had kids, I was a tutor. So I was tutoring kind of on the side, which was great. And I knew that I wanted to keep working in some capacity. So I was always working out. I kind of did my own thing, like hopped on the elliptical or treadmill, lifted weights and went on my way. But it was my sister actually, who I went to my first class with. And I'd heard about Hilliard Studio Method, didn't know much, but kind of shrugged it off like, oh, those fancy model women, I'm not going to go over there. And of course, in my first class, I was just hooked. I loved it. And it was literally, I mean, I'm not exaggerating. Liz exaggerates. I do not. In the first, maybe my second class, Clary and Liz asked if I wanted to teach for them, which is just crazy. And I said, sure thing. I mean, I love fitness. I don't necessarily love to get in front of a group and like entertain that way. But as a school teacher, whenever I am doing that kind of thing, I do. I love teaching. And so it was a perfect combo of teaching and exercise. And at the time, this was when they were in um, a ballet studio, like subleasing a small space. And there were just a couple classes early morning and during the day. So it was perfect as a young mother with preschoolers and a kindergartner. Why not? (laughs) What did you think about Liz when you first met her? Oh, that's interesting. So I've said this story in other places before, but I think it was the first, the very first class, actually, I was not with my sister. I walked in and there wasn't room in the class. So I hadn't pre-signed up or whatever. And I walked over to Liz. She was teaching. She put her hand on my back and said, oh, there's no room. Bye. Come back another day. (laughs) And I just thought, okay. So I went on with my usual workout. And then that's when I went back with my sister. And maybe the time after that, then... I um, was asked to join the team and here we are today. But um, Liz was just always, you know, the boss and became just an incredible friend. I mean, I don't know what it is, you know, with some people, you just have this amazing connection and relationship. And that's what she was for me for years. I just, she was the person I wanted to call. I hung out with their family. Clary is one of my closest friends. We just had a blast together and together all grew the business. And, um, they've really given me the space to be myself, be part of the team and to bring myself to them. So we'll talk more about how your relationship with Liz uh, evolved in okay. the next episode in the series here in, in part three, um, cool. which everybody should listen to. But let's talk about what Hilliard Studio Method means to you. Yeah. So you started off as a teacher. You've worked your way up to the director of training. Um, and and really, you're, you're outside of Liz and Clary, probably the face of Hilliard Studio Method. So what does HSM mean to you? Not just the studio, not yeah. just the business, not just the workouts, but everything like what is it, what is it represented for you over the past several years? Um, that's a great question. It is, you know, 
really part of my heart and soul. Um, when I first started, it was simply a great outlet to exercise for free to, <laughs> <laughs> it was a social aspect for me. I mean, it's a bunch of women coming together. And if, if you work out at all in our community or any fitness community, you know how powerful that can be just to, you know, sweat those endorphins out and be with other strong people or people who are, you know, their real selves, you know, you can come in and maybe look fancy and look like you have all these things. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of things going down with, with these women and men on their mats, you know? And so it was really important me for me always, and it always will be to be a source of just positive energy and a good time and a place for you to come and have 40, 50, 60 minutes just to yourself with someone who is giving you, I try to give them all of my energy at that time. So that kind of just continued to develop. There was never a director of training that I was trying to get to or replace. It just developed. So when Liz and Clary hired me, then when we hired the next trainer, I just started to teach her everything that they had taught me. So it was just kind of like a passing the torch as Liz and Clary stayed really busy with the higher level aspect of the business. I got to train every teacher until I kind of came to them and I said, you know, I want to be in this thing. I, I just have always wanted to help from the bottom of my heart, Liz and Clary. And over time specifically, Liz, I'm just devoted to her because of our connection. I don't know why. I think she's just a magical person and I truly have her back. I mean, I'm very protective also of the method. This is something that they created. This is not something they franchise. This is not something someone else thought up that they're just spinning their wheels. This is blood, sweat and tears. And I take that incredibly seriously. So anybody who comes into our doors, you got to know, you know, <laughs> we're a team you got to become part of it. Let's talk about that team for just one second, sure. because you mentioned how th almost therapeutic it can be to have a space like that, uh, for people yeah. to come and work out it. And, and now there are definitely men who, um, are your clients, um, Jonathan Stewart, yeah. former running back for the Carolina Panthers, Greg Olson, uh, CLC Ox tight end, former Carolina Panther as well. Yeah. Uh, I've been, I've been to a few of your classes. <laughs> you and, rocked and, it. Yeah. And, and there's, there's definitely been men in, in, in the classes that I've been in too, but you're right. It, it, you know, it is, um, more female centric, but why is a space like that? Mm-hmm a safe space, a, a, a non-judgmental space and, and a space where you can really exercise some of that cathartic energy. Why is that so important for women in particular to have mm. access to? Great question. I mean, I just think men and women carry a lot of weight on their shoulders, whether that's responsibility at home with family, at work, whether or not they're, you know, had injuries or, have been healthy or unhealthy in their lives, body image, all these things, really, you just break it down to movement. We always talk about this, you know, in and off the podcast movement to us is kind of, you know, 
for the most part, we can all move and we're trying to stay healthy so that we can enjoy our lives. So that when you walk up the stairs and you've committed to coming to class and you show up, give yourself a pat on the back, right? Sometimes that's the hardest thing is to just schedule time out to do it. But I was having actually a conversation with somebody today. She was interested in personal training. I said, that's fine. You've been a client forever and we can do personal training. But what you really need is for me to say, Hey, it's time to come back to the studio. It's time to work out five days this week and start another routine, start another habit because you just feel so much better. And everybody, you know, whether or not you're self-conscious around the other people in the room or looking in the mirror, everybody's really actually just concerned about themselves. Besides me, I'm cared about everybody. Everybody's just trying to do their best. And we say this every day in every class, your best is different than it was yesterday. It's different than the person beside you. And you just have to give it your all. And it's so empowering. I mean, there's nothing better than accomplishing one thing a day. And I don't know why you wouldn't just start with exercise. And I think we're just really lucky that now we can reach so many different people in so many different ways. I mean, you know, there's a silver lining of a pandemic is, you know, I'm not even going to say the word pivot, but <laughs> to find different but you've opportunities. Added so, yeah. Yeah. But it seems like you've added so much at HSM, you know, you've expanded beyond the studio workouts. You've got online workouts that you do. You've got outdoor workouts that you do as well, which is yep. totally new. So, um, you know, as business owners, it looks like y'all have been really able to, to adapt to the circumstances to keep HSM, not just going, but thriving even. Right. And I mean, I think that's the thing. A lot of businesses have suffered and it's not necessarily their fault, but we were never going to quit, right? This is what we love. So we're not doing this for some, again, external reason to reach XYZ. Would it feel good to have everybody in the world, you know, do this workout? Yes, that'd be great. And I hope that they do. But ultimately, we love what we're doing. And I think that shows, I think when you love what you're doing and you stand behind it and yes, it works, then that just translates through. Well, we're going to wrap up here real quick, but is there anything else Lee that you would like to say about your story, your business, or just who you are as a person? Wow. Um, oh, I don't know. Pressure's on. I just It's not thankful. because we can always edit it no, out. No, <laughs> I know. It's fine. No, I mean, I'm just grateful for where I am today. I'm grateful for the opportunity of this podcast. Andy, we're having so much fun. And <laughs> it's another just creative outlet that Liz and I get to enjoy. I just love her to pieces. I'm grateful for the support we've been given for people who just show up, even if they don't understand me or us, but you know, I've learned a lot and how I treat other people and do you not know, understand that everybody's on a different path and that's okay. And we don't all have to agree. We just need to try to have, you know, better, stronger, more productive conversations. And for me, it's really just, uh, you know, I've said it a lot today, probably all about my children and, and creating, um, a life where they can be themselves and I'll always have their backs. So well, Lee, I just want to close by saying that I am, uh, just 
so enthralled with the idea that you, despite having lived a, a life of certainty and order and and next steps, that you were able to prioritize, reprioritize yourself above all of those things. And instead of making yourself fit to that, mm-hmm. like you maybe had been doing, you were able to make those plans fit to you. And uh, I just think that that's just one of the most wonderful and courageous things anybody could do. Thank you, Andy. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. Lee Kennelly, director of training for Hilliard Studio <laughs> Method, co-host of the Hilliard Studio podcast and also co-executive producer of the Hilliard Studio podcast <laughs> too. Thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Don't forget to tune into part three of our three-part series with Liz and Lee. You've heard the background on Liz. You've heard the background on Lee. Next episode uh, in the Hilliard Studio podcast, we're going to get them both together on the mic to talk about their relationship, how life has changed since then, and all sorts of great stuff that you're not going to want to miss. So thank you so much for tuning into the Hilliard Studio podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hilliard Studio Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to the Hilliard Studio Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and a review so that others can find out about us. Don't forget to tell your friends to listen to the podcast too. We're going to keep providing you with great HSM content, including at-home workouts, healthy tips for you and your family, as well as candid conversations with Lee and Liz. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hilliard Studio Method for all the latest HSM news. Book classes, stream workouts, buy gear, and much more at our website, HilliardStudioMethod.com. That's it for now. We'll talk to you next week.